Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 278, and today we'll be talking about the second season of Infinity Train. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So the cracked reflection was indeed about MT, Tulip's reflection, now trying to live her own life. I was actually surprised that the basically complete focus of this book was on a character which we can now know, or, or call them Nulls, which are the, the non-human oh, passengers. Do not, do not call them Nulls. No, nothing. Is that a bad term just because the bad people used it? Yes. Call her a denizen. I don't think she's even a denizen of the train. Like, even based on that conversation she had with Mace in the Wasteland, the Mirror World is its own thing. He was hypothesizing that the Chrome Car was created specifically so that MT would be taken aboard the train. But he's, he's not saying that she was created by the train or anything. So without getting fully there that there yet, it's fascinating that already in just book two of this anthology series that you might initially think is about different journeys of passengers through this train that takes you through you know, their emotional baggage and works through it, that idea is already out the window. And we're already doing something entirely different and entirely more trippy. And it honestly, this book by by its conclusion, and really the last four episodes, just start getting weird with all the concepts. It kind of reminded me of my experience watching Twin Peaks, whereby like the end of the second season there, where you're introduced to the Red Room and everything starts getting weird. That's especially how I felt once I got to episode nine, the tape car. And I was like, man, Owen Dennis has some really, really fascinating and maybe not even fully interpretable ideas about what, what's going on here. It's almost like they're building a world that fans will want to interpret things, but it may never lead to a correct answer. And I hope we never get all the answers because visually it was so cool. And the idea, I don't know. It's weird. It's cool. It's fun. The train is a much more industrial operation than I thought it would be. Like, you saw how many people were there. Like, at at the rate they were burning through them, they're introducing a couple thousand passengers minimum every day, unless, like, they bunch them all up and then process them in a group and then don't do any for a little while. But still, like, there are a lot of passengers on this train, even if each person's only on there for a month. The fact that people's memories aren't wiped as they leave the train means there are untold uncountable number of people out on earth that know about this train i mean this is this brings us into like when as steven universe fans were like why doesn't the government why don't why don't we see the government interacting with you know the gems it's like why in tulip's world isn't there like one government official who was like crappy to his kid you know (laughs) goes into the train learns a lesson maybe covertly still inside is like i'm gonna tell the u.s government about (laughs) this train and we're gonna break into the portal um you know but there seems to be like a lot of people yeah you figure at any given time there are tens of millions of people running around the planet who know about the train like that's bananas i'm not sure how accurate that is right and also like it's the age of the internet people might go online and be like hey i'm aware because clearly humans run into other humans even though tulip didn't well until the end she ran into one Obviously, Jesse and Lake ran into a whole gang of people who've been on it for a while. But, you know, if you run into other people and supposedly you both escape, you might go online and be like, have a forum for people that have been on the train. It just seems like not a very secret thing. 
I don't know if that's something we can possibly explore. It feels like a place this show could go, but I, I mean, most of the stories are going to take place on the train versus in the real world, you know. Okay, now you want to know about the weird thing that I noticed. And, you know, since this is, you know, Lake's story, it, it has to do with the mirror people. So a prime does not have a reflection unless she has a mirror component over in the mirror world, a mirror self. So when, when Tulip lost MT, she doesn't have a reflection anymore. But MT, when she's looking at that lake in the, in the real world, not on the train, even in the real world, she still has her reflection. And there are, there are no flecks coming out, so you can't even say that, oh, well, they've, they've detailed somebody to be her reflection so they can always have eyes on her. No, like, she can look into that lake and be completely safe. No, no reflection enforcement officers are coming out after her. So the, the, the mirror people have natural reflections and the non-mirror people do not. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, obviously, Lake didn't even know Jesse kind of questioned her when she had her, her own reflection inside of the train, inside some mirror. He was like, how does that work? And she's like, I don't know. Don't think about it. <laughs> but it is weird that, like, there's some lore piece that says if Tulip passes by a mirror, we're not going to see her reflection anymore but does that mean something significant about lake or not Uh, it also bends my mind like i don't know what the rules are here it's also so close to the movie us like the themes that got developed here are so much more closer to that horror movie now from 2018 and uh there's so many parallels in the plight of these mirror people but um it's really weird to think that an entire dimension exists and all these laws and the train pulled part of them but then the train was the one that could keep her trapped. And also, why yep. couldn't she just travel through the mirror world's mirrors and escape out of the mirror there? Because if mirrors, you can go through them in the train as cops. Could you not go through mirrors in Earth if they're just dimensions? I don't know. I think Mace and Siv are the only two capable of tracking her. I think with them gone, she's in the clear. Yeah, were there only two cops in all of Mirror World? Those are the only two who have ever attacked her. I presume those are the only two with the ability to. They were both in the field when they died. Maybe they have something that is able to track her down. And if they both died in the field, then they weren't able to return that to HQ to let some other guys be assigned the case. Okay, I want I want to talk about their deaths. But first, I'm going to really quickly mention, since we mentioned like the outside of the train, the wasteland. That was a pretty fascinating episode. And it also introduced the fact that there's n- truly not much outside the train. And it's bounded by invisible barriers that at least I remember first being introduced to in Super Mario 64 as like a video game concept that a game can have like these invisible barriers. Actually, in that game, there was like a signpost in one of the levels that told you, hey, player, there's invisible (laughs) boundaries in this world. You know, uh, obviously, Lake figured that out herself. And I liked the like physics game she played with it. That was really weird, too. I I still don't know how to feel about her conversations with the fleck out. That was Mace. In the wasteland entirely. I know you kind of touched on that. I don't understand, like, what exactly the moral is. Like, what the, that conversation they had, was it more of, like, a Lori feeling? Was it supposed to be more for... I'm, I'm not quite sure what, uh, like, idea or philosophy it was exploring. Like, Lake wants freedom, and we like freedom. <laughs> so that seems, like, simple enough to express. The way that he was locked down in his beliefs wasn't too complex or anything. And she really couldn't, normally in these types of conversations, decide, see each other's side a little more. But, I mean, he didn't see Lake's side at all. 
no, Mace's Mace's Fleck through and through. He's never gonna he's never gonna give. I think I think if Siv had been introduced like earlier in those final two episodes, he would have had time to come around. But like, okay, it's been a long time and he hasn't come back. He's going to be mad when he first sees her, and like there's no time for him to not hate her, so he has to die, and, and that that realization made me sad. Yeah, and I guess it wasn't, you know, even though Lake killed two <laughs> Well, killed one person directly, indirectly helped another person get killed. She isn't really responsible for it, or like nothing nothing in the train and nothing in the show suggests that she should feel too guilty about it. She never actually feels too guilty about it anyway. She looks yeah. like mildly disturbed after she rams baby. one onto a wheel. She feared for her life. <laughs> I guess Infinity Train is all for self-defense killing. Not Not probably the same... Moral that Steven Universe has. <laughs> You'll notice the how she kept her eyes wide open while she was wheeling Mace. And as she said back in the family tree car, I keep my eyes open during the scary parts. I like that little callback, just like they show Grace's mirror in the Lucky Cat car, and then they use it in the mall car the next episode. Yeah, that's a pretty cool detail. Kind of subtle. Unlike uh, the not subtle detail I noticed, which was the way that the uh, second fleck died by Almost, it felt like a James Baxter animated um, explosion there when uh, when <laughs> Dracula shot a laser at him. It had a lot of detail and a lot a lot more frames. It felt like for just a glorious goopy kabloom. So that was cool. So, what is it with the TV that I want to watch right now being so depressing? We have Steven Universe future taking Steven into a point where he desperately needs therapy and is just completely adamant that he's fine. And then we, we have this one with MT being taken. I mean, let's face it, losing Atticus was really hard in book one, but oh, that's, that's, a, that's a whole different kind of dread from what they subject MT to, especially in the mall car. Like, I did not enjoy the mall car at all. Why do you make me feel these feelings, Infinity Train? Well, yeah, and then, you know, her obviously not being able to make it through the door is one thing, but then her struggle to demand that the, you know, the universe that she existed in denied her autonomy, denied her self-existence, and even to this, what you would think would be like a positive force or, or, or a positive being, one one she can't even like break through to the to the robots of the train that she deserves to exist on her own that she deserves a chance to be her which also revealed to us a lot as you alluded to earlier the very mechanical but also like strict nature of the train one one is not like a yoda like character who is like foolish on the outside and then secretly smart later in some reveal like he's just a dumb program at the end of the day and <laughs> even though the train is maybe trying to do positive things for the passengers, it has no flexibility to understand how it's sort of using all of its denizens, whether they're borrowed from the multiverse or generated by the train. Yeah, like it is completely within one one's power to send both Jesse and MT home. Like we, we see that he does that, but it's only by tricking him and thinking, oh, yeah, she has a number, which means of course she can be sent home. And yeah, of course I can send you both to the same place. Duh. Right, and it was a hilariously dumb trick, too, but it also revealed that it's not like the program has to follow by some rules, like it truly only works on humans. It's absolutely able to free anything else inside of it 
It's strange, though, that we, like, fully understand now that some of these creatures are, you know, real, unlike what the, you know, the teenagers in, what was their group's name? Apex. The Apex gang, you know, thought that they purely didn't exist, which obviously goes against how Lake feels about herself. But yet the finale of book one was all about how the world isn't real inside the train and you shouldn't try to hold on to a fake fantasy and you should move on with your problems. So I don't know how to bring those two ideas together or maybe they're separate and supposed to be conflicting in these books. But like the first season says don't. Well, yeah, I mean, even the first season, though, had that kind of conflict, I guess, because Tulip had very real friends and partners within the train. And we celebrated bringing Atticus back. Right. I mean, the, the difference, again, again, it's, it's the same thing. Amelia was trying to bring back someone who was already dead. She was trying to recreate him from memory so she could be with a facsimile of him, whereas Tulip was able to bring back Atticus, like the real Atticus. Take the same body and put the same like program of it's supposed to be a corgi, not a gome, back onto that thing, boom. Same Atticus, back good as new. But see, also a moral of that, you know, is accept reality for what it is, right? But that's not quite what happens here in MT slash Lake's story. She has a reality that she wants to redefine, and it goes against a culture and and rulebook and law in, in, well, in two places. Because she both has to go against mirror law. And she has to go against the idea of like, even though the train has these has these rules and has expectations, and even if I like how I met some of those expectations, I still want something different. Yeah, well, Mace is really the one who planted the idea in her head that she had to leave the train. She could have, you know, if, if she had slipped the flex for good, she could have gone on and, you know, she would have missed Jesse, but she would have been able to be okay living on the train. I mean, it's probably actually bigger than the real world now that i think about it it is infinite it's definitely way better than the mirror world which is basically a totalitarian hell where she is expected to have no self-identity and for no discernible to us as of season two reason i also the the mission of the train was sort of questioned by mt as well like even though it's mostly a just cause she kind of called out to one one that for like the woman with the iguana story, the iguana dying. Was it? It wasn't the kid. It was the mother, right? I thought it was the kid. The kid had the iguana for one day and got so sad that she had to go onto the train. Right. Like, what did that mean? That gr- that grief is weird to like possibly trap a kid for a really long time on the train, right? Like, kids can deal with all sorts of problems. You know, why does Whoever created this train thought that they knew what was good or not for people, right? And even though so far it seems to be accurate. Wasn't that kid's number in the 80s? I mean, Jesse was betraying himself and betraying his brother, and he started with, what, 31? Yeah, I mean, the numbers, it's weird that, like, you can get on the train with a really low number. Like, there's not quite a threshold. We don't really know how people stumble upon it either. Like, Tulip made a very intentional choice. I mean, she got on a train, but she was actually trying to leave her life. We don't see how other people do that. Amelia also chose specifically to get onto a train. But some of these people look like straight up kidnapped or something. Like, they're not in a scenario where they were trying to escape life. They just made a choice that the train thinks is bad or experienced something that the train thinks needs to be worked through. Like Jesse's lunch lady. Exactly. 
Yeah, Jesse's lunch lady, definitely, definitely that lady that MT saw early on in the train. But the once we kind of got the reveal in the tape car of how the train processes people, I have so many questions and it's it it's so weird. I mean, we have like this concept of time now. I mean, we already, you know, had maybe an inkling that time flows differently in the train. That's that that's a typical trope of sci-fi or fantasy yeah, right I, but, I think it i think no they said that it's normal like one month in the train one month in the real world but how long do people get processed it seems like people okay first of all let me get this concept right so they have the tape we see the the white room where tapes are coming out of people's heads where they're buried but like yeah. it seems like first the train is actually identifying that something went wrong and then when they get the person that's the first area where they get processed and only people like that wasn't like some sort of parallel to everyone in the world being constantly monitored, right? Because Jesse only appeared there. Like, he wasn't there the whole time. They came back into that room, and Jesse had been put there because he came back onto the train. So that's not, like, just the general monitoring station in some trippy way. They, like, bring passengers on, shove them in the ground, get tapes of their (laughs) memories to come out, which I don't exactly know why they need to do that, because seemingly they already have footage, or somehow they're monitoring what people are doing. Hey, you were you you were the one asking for deep lore about learning more about what the train is and does, so you got your wish. Oh, I know. They went way deeper than I thought they would, but it also introduces so many other snags. <laughs> Cause that, that room is weird. And also though, the like tape-based technology definitely makes it feel like something that has only existed. Whoever created this was like in the somewhere between the fifties through eighties with tape technology being the predominant way to do things. Okay, but but bear with me. I have a, I have a question about the tape car, and it's about something one one says in his little video as they're first entering it, and he says that, fun fact, the tape car is the only car on the train where the universe is projected on the outside. Do you have any idea what he means by that? Because I can't wrap my head around it yet. Well, I was thinking about that immediately after he said it, because it's almost like after he says that, well, when he says that, actually, they're on the outside of the train car. So I'm yeah. like, well, mm, so far, I've not seen anything outside this train car. But, you know, if we take the opposite to be true, first of all, then we know, okay, normally universes are projected inside a train. So that that kind of helps us confirm that these pieces of the train car are, despite our understanding from season one, where we see like actual panels make up the world and worlds get messed up if... You know, you know, and then like one one would fix them up. I can't remember what the episode was where Tulip experienced that. Um, yeah, that was the turtle car episode. Yeah, the unfinished car. That's what it was called. But so here, maybe we're getting the idea that mm, maybe those panels and that warping are still connected to like real universes somehow. But I don't know quite what it means to be on the outside. <laughs> maybe that's just one of those trippy statements that you can't exactly understand. I mean, it could be like it is the one projecting the wasteland that the train is running through in the first place. That's all I have. (sighs) Right. Like, maybe that is the car that is the core car then that is creating the experience of the wasteland and the rest of the trains. And then that's why on the inside, it's mostly blank and has, well, I don't know what to call these new creatures. We don't have names for the roaming these roaming robots, do we? He called them his attendants, didn't he? Oh, just attendants? Yeah, just, he didn't give them any specific name. 
I don't know. People seem to be processed for a long time. That's weird because that means Tulip's parents must have been wondering where she was for a very long time. Same thing with Jesse's brother. Yeah, Tulip was on the train for four or five months. Yeah, which is crazy because that means also that those kids, part of the the apex, have been missing, are going to be missing for years and years, which is terrible. (laughs) They must not have people they love in the real world to want to get out. I mean, that's, I was going to say, that's good for their parents then. (laughs) Save them the trouble. Parents still love their kids. Even, I mean, when did those kids, what were the numbers of those kids when they got on anyway? Like, were they really that bad? But now they've become worse because they were put in an environment where that enabled their behavior. And also one, one didn't do anything to correct. Well, did, did they say that one, one tried to correct the, the, the conductor? Like, cause all they needed to be told was, Hey, that other conductor is this human. And also that lady could have been like, Hey guys, it's me. I wasn't the conductor. This is a video telling you that. Okay, bye. Um, that would have helped instead of them forming a little cult around it. Apex is just an awful group of awful people, and they're basically taking their worship of Amelia as an excuse to do whatever the heck they want. And there is, at that point, no way you can convince somebody that actually you're not supposed to be being evil to other people. You just have to hope that they grow a conscience at some point. Yeah, if we do, well, we're going to have a book three. I hope. The Apex has to come back again. I feel like there's much more, like if they're going to get nefarious, if they really want to seek power, and if we want to get even more answers about the train, I think those two stories could be intertwined because they they can break the rules of the universe a little bit and, um, you know, try to abuse the train more. They already have no feelings towards Knowles, so. I mean, that, I guess that would be interesting. You have a kid who joins and then leaves Apex. Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather never see them again, but I just have a feeling we will. I mean, remember, in the lucky cat car, the cat said, this isn't over, Grace. So those two have to collide again. I love your absolute refusal to want to see, like, if a cartoon has toxic characters in it, it's like, no, I don't care about seeing them again. (laughs) I don't need this. I'm going back to to Summer Camp Island. (laughs) (laughs) There's toxic characters in that show. What are you talking about? Susie's the best. They're cute. (laughs) That's the difference. I love Susie. She is the greatest, and I will hug her and protect her forever. You meanie. <laughs> yeah, they also use words like that to describe their jerks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you 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 haven't you haven't seen the episodes that humanize Susie. She she really is quite squishy on the inside. Well, see, so you just haven't seen the episodes that humanize all the all the Apex characters, and they're horrible horrible backstories that made them well Susie was cool before she was human the apex were just awful that's the difference (laughs) they're just awful people well i don't know the train thought that they were redeemable everyone makes mistakes david you know also on that topic though thinking through the like how effective the train is with passengers i feel like it's really not built to specifically teach people lessons like, Tulip and Jesse happened to learn lessons. Jesse especially got paired up with, like, a thing that was completely... I mean, MT was completely breaking the rules about how you should help someone anyway. I don't know. And it also doesn't seem like the denizens are aware of their mission in the first place. Like, MT knows because of Tulip's journey. But, like, in general, you know, does that toad that was going to get kicked have any idea that he's part of some scheme to improve humans' lives? It doesn't seem like a well-coordinated operation, and it definitely is failing 
tons of people. Well, I don't know. If you look at the kind of cars they ended up in, Jesse ended up in a lot of cars where he had to deal with bad people who were trying to take advantage of him. Whereas Tulip, for the most part, got rather non-confrontational cars. You know, her, her problem was mostly about accepting something. Whereas Jesse has to learn how to stand up to bad people. It almost makes the Apex characters designed by the train as well. You know, that's, yep. that's some food for thought right there. Yeah, they, they may not want anything to do with those lessons, but they played their part well. I mean, they got his number down from four to zero. So with that said, I guess Apex did serve a good purpose. Good on you guys. Don't want to see you again. <laughs> anyway, guys, join us next week on our next podcast episode. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or a like on YouTube. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.